Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. I was so nervous. Like when I said vibrators, even I was like, oh shit, can I? Oh my God, I forgot. I was like, just going to bring it up. It was so great. (laughs) Oh, so good. I was, I was laughing so hard. I think I texted you right after I saw it. I was like, this is, I'm dead. Like, and and it was so delightful. You were like cracking up and Chris got all, it was like like actually a very, um, very cute moment. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I know I'm making him uncomfortable, Chris. I'm sorry. He's like, oh no, like I don't get uncomfortable. I'm, I'm totally comfortable. I was like, okay. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on the Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. So this week, we get to just take a beautiful trip down memory lane to... uh, some of the darkest months of my last decade, Um, the election and then into uh, the early winter of 2017, just just a really great time. Um, The beginning of our nation's slow descent into fascism and also the year that Nick Bile was The Bachelor. And to get into it with me, uh, we have our lovely, lovely Lee Blickley. I'm back. And you <laughs> know what? She's back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Claire is on vacay. Thank you for bringing me back to uh, relive 2016-2017. It's just, what a time. Well, it's a time to be alive. And I, Lee, I, I, I only like to bring you in for the most traumatizing periods of time, like all of Peter's season. Yeah, and, thank you so uh, much. Yeah. I mean, you really know my beat. So, <laughs> you know, dark days. It's yeah. just my thing. You're like, are you trying to be depressed? Because come on in, Lee. Yeah. I mean, we did quarantine together. Still in it. Yeah. And still, yeah. It's still happening. September, <laughs> but. Who would have thunk that in March? Uh, sure not me, but yeah. here we are. Um, <laughs> so before we talk about Nick's, um, Nick's season, you know, let's get into some calls to action. We haven't had an episode in a few weeks, so. Uh, it was hard to even choose what, you know, cause we kind of wanted to highlight. But I think it's important that we talk about what's been going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. where President Trump is uh, visiting and I'm sure will inflame things again uh, today as we are recording. Obviously, Kenosha has been in the news first because of the police shooting of Jacob Blake, who was shot in the back seven times by police in front of his children when he was trying to break up a domestic uh, dispute. And this shooting um, led to, you know, a wave of protests, as we have been seeing across the country when when these incidents occur. Um, And 
than the killing of two protesters by a 17-year-old white supremacist named Kyle Rittenhouse, who killed two protesters with an illegally obtained firearm. So it's it's been it's been a really traumatic um, traumatic couple of weeks, and especially if we have any listeners who are in that area, you know, we are definitely definitely thinking of you guys. Yeah, and you know, the news can be incredibly depressing. Uh, I know I feel hopeless a lot uh, lately. So, but we want to urge you guys to stay engaged and involved. It's very important. Um, and we have some ways you can help. First, you can donate to the GoFundMe for Jacob Blake's medical bills. And that link will be in our show notes. Um, and second, a non-monetary thing, you know, you can still call and email local officials in Kenosha to demand that the officers involved in Jacob Blake's shooting are held fully responsible for their actions, not just put on administrative leave, but really, you know, that potential charges are looked into. And you can contact the Kenosha city attorney by phone or email, the Kenosha mayor and city administration by phone or email. Um, And we are going to have all of that contact information in the show notes. We also will include a potential script that you can use when making those calls or sending those emails to make it as easy as possible. We just urge you to you know, use whatever platform and mode of communication is most easily accessible to you. Um, it's important for us to make our voices heard and speak up for you know, people in, in moments of, of need and make sure that this doesn't just become yet another news story that we breeze by. Yeah. And in light of that, lastly, you could donate to the Milwaukee Freedom Fund to support protesters. And again, that link will be in our show notes. Yeah. Okay. So now time to get into Batch Nation. Uh, we have a little bit of news that I felt like it was important for us to touch <laughs> on. We finally have a premiere date for Claire slash Tasha's season of The Bachelorette. They're still just marketing it as Claire's season because, you know, I guess they're not trying Secrets. to fully tip their hat <laughs> to the switcheroo. Um, they, October 13th, the show is going to start airing and it's going to, be, I believe, be on Tuesdays. So yes. a little switch up there. Because I think Dancing with the Stars will be on Mondays with, of course, Caitlin Bristow. I think a Backstreet Boys on the season. I think wow. that's all we know so far. That's but man, lot. Mondays and Tuesdays this fall, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, and they did drop a, a promo poster for Clara Crawley that I think a lot of people <laughs> were a little bit confused by. Um, it, it depicts Claire in a really, really excellent outfit, I have to say. She looks yes. fucking stunning. I love that she's in jeans and like a sharp velvet blazer. She just looks like really sexy, really confident, not overly femme. Um, I just was very into the aesthetic. And then there is a a man's leg pulling a sock up. And I think people were confused. This is definitely um, a questionable (laughs) reference to to the movie The Graduate in, in which Dustin Hoffman is seduced by an older woman, um, depressing. Claire, yeah. Claire's a cougar. Was, yeah. Claire's <laughs> a cougar. I guess that's the implication, except that yeah. like, it's a gender swapped poster. So I'm not even quite sure what they're trying to say. Also, Anne Bancroft was like in her mid thirties. Yeah. We did this research <laughs> and Dustin Hoffman was like 
30. So yeah, this is how it was 30 and she was like 35 or 36. So real cougar situation yeah. happening. Let me tell you. Uh, but I thought it was cute. Uh, it's good to see I some promos. Gets you a little excited. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we already knew that they were going to like hammer home the age thing in a weird way. So that's not surprising, but at least she looked fucking awesome. As always. She looks great. And the little promo reel that they released, um, her song was Respect. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Now, is that an ode to the guys or an ode to the Bachelor producers? We don't know. Yeah, but we don't know. With news of the switch up, I think it's the latter. But I do, <laughs> I do love a little Aretha Franklin. So I was, I was on board. Again, she looked fantastic. Um, and I love that they sort of intercut it with her demanding respect from Juan Pablo, like, She's a strong woman. They are hammering that theme home. And Mm -hmm. hopefully maybe we can talk about that more than about the fact that she is a woman in her 30s who deigns to still be dating, you know? In other news too, The Bachelor uh, has a filming location, which you said you are aware of, but then I went on the website for Nemecolon in Pennsylvania and I thought, wow, this is a great place to vacation. Maybe I myself might go there. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure that's why, um, you know, I guess there have been Peter and Kelly are at Nemecolon. I guess they're, that some sort of deal, some bachelor people are there sort of hyping up, hyping it up. It's a nice resort. I believe they filmed there before. Um, and according to Reality Steve, they're going to start filming in, in just a few weeks. Which So they're sticking to their normal schedule, which means that uh, presumably – early January, we are going to get that season and they'll film um, between, you know, mid-September and Thanksgiving. And we'll have a wintry vibe, fall wintry vibe. I'm into it. Cozy. Uh, And then finally, you know, we got the official announcement from Becca and Garrett, even though the news had been out there for a little while that they had broken up. um, But, you know, we got the the uh, official announcement from from her on Instagram that they've, with a heavy heart, they have come to the loving conclusion to end our engagement. Um, you know, it's not surprising. And honestly, like, good for her. Yeah. Because <laughs> that it dude took, sucks. It Sorry. It took a while. Like, I'm glad the current reckoning uh, maybe helped her come to that decision when she kind of realized what we've all been seeing. Uh, and again, maybe it's important for the franchise to allow contestants to talk about their political beliefs before they get engaged or yeah, maybe, maybe their values. Maybe, or... maybe, maybe. <laughs> that might be good. Yeah. So let's keep that in mind for the future. But yeah. I, my heart does go out to Becca. She's a wonderful person and yes. I hope she finds love. We've had great, uh, you know, I have no, I am really, truly, I'm not worried about her. Okay. Time for Nick's season. Finally, Lee, let's do this. As Chris reminds us, Nick Vile was a giant multiple rejectee on this show. Everyone hated him. Andy no. didn't want to marry him. Caitlin didn't want to marry him. They sort of tried to skirt over the fact that he definitely was the one who dumped Jen and everyone loved him on Bachelor in Paradise. But yeah. that's not important. <laughs> <laughs> the men hated him on the seasons he was on. He was painted as a villain. Then he redeemed himself in paradise and he glowed got, up. Yep. He got a big glow up, realized the beard works well for him and became the bachelor. He also pumped up a bit too. Uh, oh yeah. A lot, a lot of gym trips, uh, a lot of more shortlist <laughs> selfies. You know, you, the, the, 
you love to see it. Um, do you think Nick was a good bachelor? I, I think my thoughts watching back was that like he was, he was refreshingly decisive. Um, he did have the, you know, buzzword, I mean, buzz term of the season. He did have the emotional intelligence mm-hmm. to respond in a way that didn't feel wrote and scripted when, you know, the women on his season would open up to him about traumatic things as often happens on these, on these shows, you know, they're sort of primed to talk about trauma and he at least was able to like respond to those stories in a way that, that felt, um, authentic and like he was listening. (laughs) I agree that he, I thought he was a really good bachelor. I also think uh, age played a factor. Yeah. He's a grown man. He had experience uh, dating many women. He tried to get engaged twice on this show. So he kind of knew what he wanted. And you could see that definitely in his final three women uh, that he chose. Uh, All smart, put together, had drive, had good conversations. So I thought I thought Nick was good. I really did. Uh, I didn't love reliving his season, but we'll get more into that. Oh yeah, no, it was real cringy and it was really hard to watch back. And yeah, we'll definitely speak to that. But him as a lead, I thought he did he did a good job. Mm-hmm. And the season also brought us like so many enduring Bachelor Nation players. You know, Taylor, Corinne. Jasmine, Alexis, D'Lo, Danielle Malpe, Christina, Raven, Astrid, Vanessa, and of course, Rachel, Rachel, our queen forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was pretty diverse, I think. Yeah, as far as Bachelor shows go. Yeah, notice in the franchise. Uh, Right, there were like definitely a handful of Black women. There were women of color who were not Black. Like it didn't feel so overwhelmingly white. I mean- Again, as happens with most of these recaps, the women that made it past a certain point, um, many of them were white. So the women who were highlighted tended to be white, um, Mm -hmm. with a few exceptions, Taylor and also Rachel. But, you know, I, I do believe from my conversations with Nick that that was that racial diversity was something that he made it clear he wanted. And and so I do think you know, these are things that leads can demand. Yeah. And that's important to note. Then we sort of run through a bunch of the major players. Um, You know, we get a kind of not notable check-in with Alexis. We get a little- Dolphin shark, whatever Dolphin shark, okay, we got it. Remember Um, that. (laughs) Yeah. And and then we get a recap and a check-in with Christina, who who obviously, you know, had spoken really uh, candidly about the fact that she was born in Russia and abandoned by her mother and had grown up very poor, spent much of her childhood in an orphanage and was adopted by an American couple when she was 12. Um, and that was a story that I think really made audiences feel like they got to know her, which is why she was such a beloved character on the yeah. season. And I so remember that conversation resonating with a lot of people. And of course, we've come to see Christina on Paradise, and we've gotten to know her a little more. But yeah, she was definitely a standout from this yeah. season. And I think Nick handled um, their relationship with Grace really well. Absolutely. Like he did with many of the conversations he had with the women. He was very open um, to learning more about each of them, but especially Christina, I thought um, they had a nice connection. They did, and it was sweet. That part was sweet to, to watch back. 
Christina's check-in I didn't find to be like super notable, but it was again sweet. She said she had, um, you know, that doing the show had kind of allowed her to like revisit some memories that she had repressed from her childhood and that, you know, going back to Russia and seeing the place she grew up um, is something that she'd like to do in in the future. Mm-hmm. Oh, moving on. Yeah, but will we go from Christina to... Corinne. Corinne and Taylor, basically. Which, <laughs> oh, Corinne. Just, it brought me right back to watching this season and watching things play out with Corinne and Taylor. Um, what were your initial thoughts uh, re-watching what happened, especially between the two of them? You know, I was remembering that at the time I found it really, really, really difficult to watch, especially like the Women Tell All, which obviously they haven't been highlighting on these recap shows. Um, but I found the dynamic between Corinne and Taylor to be really depressing and tough to watch. Um, and I found Corinne's whiteness to play like a really big role, sort of a, as a cover for all of her uh, bad behavior. Not to say other people didn't behave badly either, but I think that like her whiteness really acted as a shield to criticism and allowed people to uh, find her to be like, funny and endearing rather yeah. than simply obnoxious and cruel. Um, we also will, I want to say, get into the Corinne and uh, Taylor dynamic and the way race played a role later because we do have Taylor on the show, which we're very excited about. So we're not going to go into like such intense detail now, but we are going to kind of talk through the general um, bullet points of, of what we saw. Yeah. Uh, you know, Corinne was... The blonde, the sweet blonde who, you know, wanted to go after Nick from the very beginning, kissed him on the first night, took her top off during a photo shoot, uh, interrupted many conversations the other women were having with him. She was that character and she was a producer's dream, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it's also the kind of thing that like Nick alluded to that he was like very uncomfortable with her stripping during that date. And something that I think like I was really struck by watching it back. I'm like, that is, like, that wasn't quite consensual. No. Like, he, she was just like, no, no, this is happening. Grab my breasts. Like, it was, it was like a weird moment and not one that, it just, uh, I don't know. It was, it just again, it was not, very cringy and didn't yeah. sit right. And it felt, I also, like, felt like her um, intoxication was clear to me on watchback, you know, especially knowing what did happen also on Paradise and the fact that Corinne has been quite open with the fact that she was uh, drinking herself okay. into kind of a, a stupor and, you know, on while on the show. And this, you know, it was a year later that they changed the rules to limit alcohol intake. Yeah. So I think I was struck by, by that on rewatch. Obviously, we got the highlights all of Corinne's <laughs> iconic lines about her cheese pasta and her naps. Um, I was curious what you thought watching her talk about her live-in nanny, Raquel. Uh, uh, I was uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> not only like what the other girls say is, you know, she's how old and she has a nanny, but just the fact that she says the nanny enjoys doing all of this stuff for her, like doing her laundry and cooking her cheese pasta and all of this stuff. 
I just thought she didn't really represent Raquel, her nanny, very well. As a human? Yeah, as a human (laughs) whose job it is. She's a housekeeper, pretty much. Right, Uh, and, like, that's labor. Like, like, this is clearly a woman who's employed by her family that is doing a job. It's not like, oh, out of the goodness of my heart, I just need to care for my dear Corinne because it brings me such joy. It's like, no, it is labor, and she's being compensated from it, and... The privilege, really. Yeah, it just, like, felt like a gross way to to speak about and sort of like undervalued the labor that domestic workers do. Um, And that was probably not something I was as aware of at the time, but it felt really obvious this time. Yeah. And then of course she makes it to hometowns because everybody needs to meet the nanny and needs to see the cheese pasta. And yeah, the whole situation with Corinne. It was just tough. It was very tough. And, and also the amount of like classism that, exists always mm-hmm. on the show you know we know that this is not a show that really um highlights a diversity of socioeconomic backgrounds even if people come from the a, a diversity of of backgrounds you know the houses we tend to see are very large they'll often rent properties like it's classes is, is not something that um like so many things the show is is not very comfortable addressing but watching Corinne just like spend copious amounts of money at a designer store and like it just felt it just felt icky yeah or just yeah buying Nick three thousand dollar sweaters um yeah but Corinne and you know maybe it, it plays worse now given that like we are living in a time when so many people are unemployed when the wealth inequality has never been starker never been more obvious but it Mm -hmm. felt like felt very gross yep just napping through rose ceremonies while the other women are you know doing what they're supposed to be doing is showing up at rose ceremonies you know it doesn't matter if you have a rose or not you show up it's just the disrespect she displayed all season um right and like you know what yes her her of course she had like very funny lines yeah naps lines were funny funny uh she's she clearly is good with she's witty she's good one-liner she clearly like knows how to play a role and is smart in uh, at like you know she's trying to stay true to herself like there of course all those things exist there too um but the impact of of her character on the show felt really disturbing yeah especially when you know most of her story and Taylor's story uh, are intertwined the whole season. Um, And of course we talked to Taylor later, like we said, but Taylor right away is kind of shown as the serious educated um, mental health counselor. And so uh, it's kind of used against her because she is up against someone like Corinne. Young, self-made millionaire or whatever. (laughs) There was like this weird, like almost anti-intellectual strain. Mm-hmm. It felt like like this this anger that, oh, you think your education means you know things. Um, I, I I don't yeah. It was I, I found that also to be notable watching it back. Like they really go to they really drive home that like Taylor like framing Taylor as this kind of no fun condescending asshole who like uses big words and 
just doesn't love to nap and, you know, isn't sweet and bubbly and just yeah. like thinks she's better than everyone. And there's Too no serious. crime, no crime yeah. worse than thinking you're better than someone else. But on rewatch, you're like, she was not the only one who was repeatedly in conflict with Corinne. Like, not yeah. by far. Like, there we saw Danielle, Sarah, Jasmine. I mean, tons of the other women. I think, I don't know if they showed this, but I remember Vanessa getting very upset about the Corinne bounce house at one point. Like, yeah, how it could seems you not? like fairly it's universal. Fun. Yeah. That the women were like, this girl is not super respectful and is like very annoying. But I think... As soon as Taylor used that buzz phrase of emotional intelligence, uh, something hit Corinne, something hit the producers, and they just kind of made this the rivalry uh, that kind of sparked a lot of the drama. And Corinne was very cruel about Taylor and her ITMs. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I hadn't remembered that she had said, she's a bitch that thinks she's better than anyone else. Chill the fuck out. You're not. I wanted to literally punch her in the face. I was like, that's like really violent, aggressive language. Wow, yeah. that's a, that's not that cute, but she's white and blonde. So that is allowed to be like read as cute or if not read as cute, just one small piece of who Corinne is, not like the totality of her. Whereas like all we really got from Taylor is she thinks she's better than everyone and thinks she knows things and doesn't smile. Yeah, and she was painted as the bully when she was being bullied. <laughs> also like I really need people on this show to stop claiming that they are being bullied yeah it's like and it's somehow like always a white woman who's like I'm bullied because someone criticized me it reminded me so much of what we just went through on Peter's season it's yeah old. we're just like no one's bullying you just because yeah. they like criticize something you did that doesn't mean you're being bullied, bullied. Oh, yeah, they go, of course, the producers then put Corinne and Taylor on a two-on-one date. They go to a swamp. Which I was um, like, was were they trying to allude to the drain the swamp <laughs> rhetoric at the time? I, I don't know. I just like, I was just like seeing Trump everywhere in this. Because yeah, this the was whole filmed during season. the election. Not that we got to know anything about anybody's political views or... No, Lee, don't be silly. <laughs> But yeah, um, they're in a swamp. Corinne turns on the victim, white girl baby voice, tells Nick that Taylor emotionally attacked her, called her stupid. Um, and Nick ends up choosing Corinne to stay and sends Taylor home. What did you think about this now, knowing too more about Corinne, knowing more about Taylor? Um, I mean, I thought it was, to me, I look at it like, and I know having had a decent number of conversations with Nick, uh, you know, about his season, but just in general, like Nick in a lot of ways, like has the ability to wear a producer's hat. And I do know that he very much knew who he was into early. He, his main priority was like that relationship with Vanessa. And my feeling is that like he was game in a lot of ways to kind of go with what production wanted to do to make the best show possible um or what they believe was the best show possible um obviously I would not have made the same show um (laughs) and so that's how I read that as like Corinne was never gonna go home yeah she just wasn't and and Taylor sort of got thrown under the bus because Corinne needed to go to hometowns yeah, and this whole section was kind of, 
I feel like downplayed from what we initially saw because they left out things like when Corinne says, make America Corinne again. And just these like little right. phrases that are just steeped in racism. And uh, we talk about that more with Taylor, but just watching it all play out again, it was just super icky. You're like, this is gross, but it wasn't even the grossest of it because we didn't even get clips because clearly the show like didn't want to take responsibility for those exactly they're keeping out the stuff that maybe would have sparked some conversation (laughs) yep but yes let me get taylor's check-in can we just like petition for chris harrison to be replaced at least for these interviews like the man is not equipped emma you don't think chris harrison's the best (laughs) interviewer there is i mean he's it's awful it's It's so bad it's just getting more and more painful every i'm like no, this all he man. needs to know is like what white dude you're dating. Yeah, these days. that's it. That's it. Nothing. Are else. you single? Ugh. If you're single, how miserable is life in quarantine? Yeah. That's literally his <laughs> his mo. <laughs> I'm just like, come on. And did you know his son is recording him. Uh, yeah, I've learned more <laughs> about his son than like anything else during the show. I like know all about his son Joshua, who is now in college. It's just also so obvious with Chris, like who he's still friends with, who he actually cares about. There's so many conversations that I feel like his eyes are glazing over and he's not actually listening to their responses and responding to them as interviewers do. He just has like his list of questions, just trying to get through it. Uh, But I was very proud of Taylor because she came on with a goal, or at least I felt that. And I feel like, you know, clearly they cut her interview as they do with all of these, but I think she got to say what she wanted to. Yeah, you know, she did make the point that she was, while she was being attacked for doing the bullying, she was also being bullied, um, both, I believe, on the show and, and you know, Online, on the yeah. internet after. She received a huge amount of blowback. A lot of that blowback was quite racist. Um, and she also made the point that I thought that I had forgotten that Corinne was given the opportunity to apologize Chris was pushing her to apologize at the Women Tell All, and she did not take that opportunity. Um, And I also love that Taylor, like, didn't spend all of her time talking about Corinne. You know, she made it really clear, like, she's still a practicing mental health counselor. She has clients. Mm -hmm. She's starting her PhD in clinical sexology, which is really cool. She's amazing. Yeah, she's she's a total badass. Um, Uh, And, you know, she also spoke to the fact that she has been doing some non-monogamous dating. Um, she used the term poly. She used the t- term trans. She used the term non-binary. non-binary. I was just like, oh my God, Chris Harrison's mind must just be like, what is happening? It was amazing. She's like, people are hot. <laughs> men are hot. Women are hot. This, every spectrum is hot. And Chris was just like, and then she just throws out, yeah, I'm alone. I'm single, but I have a vibrator. And I was just I it love was so her great so much because oh man I loved it so much I loved it it was just the whole thing was great and like it's really sad that we're like oh my god she said these like very basic terms that surround the you know gender identity spectrum how amazing and like I wish that that didn't get a cookie but like it does kind of get a cookie because yeah, this show is so intent on pushing uh, a very heteronormative, very cisgender, very white vision of love and sex and dating and courtship and 
love and sex and dating and family, like these, it can look a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously we're a broken record at this point, but like, we would love to see more of that <laughs> represented on the show. Okay. <laughs> then let's get to Corinne's check-in. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, I, you know, same old, same. Like she hasn't really changed much. Still naps twice a day. Um, she has a boyfriend. Good for her. She knows how to make her own cheese pasta. I mean, the only thing that I thought was like kind of weird in this check-in was that there wasn't a whole lot of self-reflection. She still had no interest in apologizing for any of her behavior. Um, and she, it still really seemed like she held a good amount of animosity towards Taylor. You know, she says like, Goodbye. Have a great life. Never want to see you again. Thank you very much. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. Clearly has matured. Um, her emotional intelligence seems to be the same. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I say that, Lee. You're going to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> I would have just liked to see like a little bit of growth or yeah. just to acknowledge that the show is difficult for anyone who's involved, no matter what side you're painted on or, or what right, experience or- you had. Like Taylor had her own experience. Um, that I wish Corinne would have acknowledged. Right. And she could see the pain she felt too. It's neither of them chose to be so chose. So like consciously to be pit against each other in the way that they were. Um, And yeah, I don't think that dynamic was really, really reflected on, unfortunately. No. And of course they just, you know, Chris ends with a joke about cheese pasta and everything is hunky dory. And I think there could have been much more, pressure maybe even on Chris's part to oh, yeah. address Taylor and maybe not apologize I would like an apology but I knew it wasn't going to come to that but still I think Corinne could have done a better job but alas same old same absolutely um then we get you know the kind of focus spotlight on Rachel Lindsay oh who gosh. of course came out of this season which is in my mind, uh, the best thing Nick did <laughs> for yep. any of us was to, to you know, bring Rachel far enough that she could be the Bachelorette. We really, like, and we've said this before, like, this franchise does not deserve her. She did not appear for a check-in, which I think, like, is speaks volumes. really notable, speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. She's been very open with the changes she wants this franchise to make and, like, how they have really fallen short, even in the last few months. And... I think that's why she wasn't there. Yeah. But we we get sort of a nice trip down memory lane. She and Nick really did have like such a fun, sweet dynamic. And their like affection for each other was really clear watching this back. And it was also, I was reminded that like how refreshing it was at the time to see the at least somewhat frank conversations happening between them about interracial dating. Like mm-hmm. there are elements that define their relationship that ha- that are not, um, you know, connected to racial identity, but it also wasn't ignored and it didn't take sort of a tone of like, I don't see color, which um, I was, it was, it was, hap- I was glad to be reminded of. Like, it was nice that Nick just straight up said, I'm not colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're black. We haven't really gotten since Nick's season, anything close to this. No. Like, uh, it was so refreshing to watch. Rachel and Nick. And like you said, Nick was very open about it. They were, I don't know, mature about the way they handled it. 
um, she took him to a Baptist church. Uh, yeah. And she was like, are you comfortable being in this black space, like predominantly black space? Like you are a person who's used to being in white spaces. And like, I think that's a thing that a lot of white people like never have to confront. Um, and it's important to bring that to the audience's um, attention. Yeah. And yeah, I like that we got it, got to see that and like, her family, her sister, Constance, her brother-in-law, who is also white, brings this up, um, and her mom. I'll bring it up to Nick. Like, hey, interracial dating comes with these set of things. Like, you have to be aware of racism. You have to be a white person who is going to be comfortable stepping into Black spaces. And, like, you need to, you know, be able to talk about and acknowledge those realities. Yeah. And like we mentioned, this was filmed during the 2016 election and Rachel's family, especially her mom, really alludes to Trump's campaign. Yeah, that was her her Um, sister. Yeah. Um, You know, talking about the climate that we're still in. (laughs) Even Uh, so much worse now. I mean, the racism is even more overt, I think, than than it was in in 2016 um sadly and it was very overt then yeah but you know her just saying you can't be in a bubble you have to address these things you can't hide you can't ignore it um her whole hometown date was just so enlightening it was great and also like what that is proof in the pudding you can have conversations about people's lived experiences you can acknowledge that people have different sets of values, different, you know, experiences based on their racial identity, different experiences based on their education or, you know, their financial situation. Um, And none of that was done with judgment. None of that felt controversial to me. Like it was just like statement of facts. Um, And yeah, I wish we, wish we saw more of that. Yeah. I just love to, and Nick, talking to her mom and he just says, I like her for the woman that she is. She just happens to be black. Um, they just had very open, honest conversations. It reminded me so much about why I love Rachel. I mean, we've come to know her on different levels now, uh, but she was just such a light in this season. She was, you know, there was a reason she became the bachelorette and there's a reason she is who she is today and has all this, um, you know, I'm a fan of hers. Uh, yeah, no, she's she's just fantastic. And like, again, it was notable that she wasn't there to catch up. Chris is sort of like, yeah, she went on to become the Bachelorette, and she fell in love, and they're totally married. Yeah, uh, but but <laughs> moving on, let's bring on two black women to thank us <laughs> and Rachel. It was like, okay, so you're going to take zero responsibility for the racism that your show perpetuated. Yeah that likely caused her not to want to show up for this. Okay, let's just skim over that. Um, I did really, I did enjoy hearing from Tasha and Natasha, who are two women that I like, would like to see more in, of, in Bachelor Nation. Um, you know, I actually got a chance to meet Natasha uh, in, in New York, like just before COVID, like the week like COVID lockdown happened, like right before. And she just seems, seemed really, really fantastic. And I thought that her, I loved that she said, you know, growing up, there are a lot of really popular shows that were really white and I don't watch them because like, I didn't see myself. myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also loved that she said, black culture is American culture. It's so basic. 
But when but, we, yeah. we have this idea that like whiteness is universal and anything else is not, but like American, yes, American culture is black culture. Like you cannot separate the two. You cannot separate the creation of this country from blackness, from slavery, from black culture, from like from racism, like you, that, that is just built in to the bones of this nation. And like, I don't know, there is a whole other conversation to be had about, uh, cultural appropriation, (laughs) but you know, I was glad to see Natasha really, really speak to that. To Chris Harrison, nonetheless, who he was confused. I mean, had he had so many opportunities within this conversation to expand on it, kind of talk about what's been happening uh, with the current reckoning, what's been happening with The Bachelor and petitions to get more people uh, of different backgrounds, different ethnicities on the show. On the show and behind the show, which they have been resistant to. It's like, yeah, Chris Harrison, maybe you should be replaced by a non-white person. He took no authority. again, had a big opportunity in terms of Rachel not being there to kind of address how she's been your spokesperson uh, on race for years. Right. Uh, I don't know. I just thought they had a chance, but it's The Bachelor. So yeah. I don't know we're why. Not, we're we're I, disappointed, yeah. but not, <laughs> but remain too unsurprised. Much <laughs> yeah, too much credit. Um, yeah. And I love to see Tasha, and it made me excited for her to, you know, be our bachelorette number two. So yeah, I'll this must have been before, to. right? Yeah. I think that they clearly had like filmed these catch-ups, um, a little while ago because like I noted that like Vanessa's engaged and but they didn't mention that, they though. didn't mention that so I think it was before I think you know they bank these interviews which makes makes sense so let's get into those final final two Raven and Vanessa just two real real delightful characters they really are uh, Raven the boutique owner from Arkansas um, she was always just fun and playful and her and Nick seem to have a great friendship you kind of sense that she wasn't going to be the one at the end. I think this whole season, Vanessa was really the front runner. Um, But I did like their dynamic and I do like, um, I don't know. We've gotten to know uh, Raven a little bit more, but her and Nick had, had fun. And that was nice to see, uh, especially in the final two. I loved her gown too. Oh yeah. She looked, I mean, as always, she looked fantastic. There was a lot of like really good winter wear that mm-hmm. happened during Nick's season. Finland, they were in Finland. Like, so oh, fun. I, I forgot how much I loved it. I was like, yes, the flannel and the cozy knits and the cable knit like hats. It was, it was so cute and I was very into it. And on board, very on board. It was good for Nick's facial hair too. <laughs> uh, very yeah, hair. you know, the, the only things we didn't really see with Raven were like, they had a whole storyline about Nick giving her an orgasm, which just like they completely they skipped. Which um, was like... <laughs> An endearing part of her yeah. story. They also kind of skimmed over the fact that she like alluded to um, a pretty, I believe, emotionally abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Like they sort of, they clipped apart where she talked about the infidelity. They didn't, they left out the fact that she like spoke about like hitting her partner with a shoe. It was, I, it was messy. I guess they just were like, we're going to cut it. I get it. But, you know. And then I thought her check-in was like the weird thing about the check-ins with these people is like they're on Instagram. That's like, the thing I know she and Adam are, are yeah. together. Like we follow them. We know exactly like, what what's are we going to learn. It's different. We didn't when, learn you know, anything. With Jason Mesnick season or something, you see Melissa and Molly and Jason, but you don't see all the cast members. So those check-ins are more exciting. 
Right. Uh, these ones are just like, yeah, Raven. <laughs> Raven yep, and Adam. She's still in Dallas with Adam. Postpone their They're... wedding three times. I know all yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, I don't know. Moving along. They're cute. I have nothing else to say about it. Yeah. Well, we do have to say that when Raven um, and Nick break up and he says, I'm going to miss you. And she just says, I know. Oh, I, I yeah. Oh my I God. That really endeared her to me. <laughs> I like was obsessed with her in that moment. But yeah, okay, Raven, so... love her. Love her. Love her. Continue to love her. Yeah. Moving on to uh, Vanessa, our winner, the special ed teacher from Montreal. Always a front runner. Um, she's, she's beautiful. She's smart. smart. She's strong, outspoken, like totally they always had to those like deeper conversations about like, you know, how they both have to move if they wanted to be together after this, how she lived in Canada and she'd need to either move to the U.S. or he'd have to move to Canada. Things that you probably should talk about uh, before you get into a relationship. They just seemed, they always seemed mature. Um, yeah. And yeah, they had an instant connection. I feel like everyone watching kind of knew the Corinne drama was just there to keep us busy, but Vanessa was the one. <laughs> Totally. I also thought it was interesting that they played up the possibility that Vanessa would reject Nick because like that was his whole brand, right? Like he's always rejected. So it wasn't like, is Nick going to, you know, reject her? It was just like, well, no, he would never. Is she going to reject him? Yeah. Um, She did not. And they have a very, they have like one of my favorite uh, engagements, I think, like their proposals their proposals to each other were like very, their speeches were really thoughtful. Um, I also they're both just that like Nick, good talkers. Like, Nick spoke first and usually the woman speaks first and he had like tears rolling down his cheek. Like it just was, it was really cute. You just love to see a bearded man cry. cry. He, he a, cried a, a little bit this season. Like I, yeah, I, I appreciate it. that. I like emotional men. So me too. Oh, I'm so on board with that. We of course get a check in with Vanessa. Um, we, as everyone knows, like she, she and Nick are no longer together. What? I mean, yeah. Who'd have thought? <laughs> both she and Nick say, like, look, we both tried really hard. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting watching it back because I think it's pretty clear that like neither of them really wanted to move. Nick likes being in LA. Vanessa likes being in Montreal. That's where they both are now. Yeah. Um, Vanessa is now engaged to a Canadian who lives in Montreal. Mm-hmm. So like she seems to be doing great. She still has her nonprofit that helps fund um, special ed programs in Canada and like sensory classrooms, which is like really fucking cool. And so she just seems to have a lot of good perspective. And it's nice to see that she and Nick, you know, they've both moved on. They're both yeah. in a good place. And so there's not, you, do, you don't feel that there's like a ton of animosity. Yeah. Yeah. Each other and they all. gave it a good shot. And I love that yeah. she talked about you know, the newness of it all, when you get out of The Bachelor, not only is it like millions of people are watching you and, and all that, but again, she, she moved to LA. He was on Dancing with the Stars. She's in a new place away from her friends and family. Um, I appreciated her honesty. And I know that her and Nick have reconnected recently, uh, which is nice to know that they've both moved on. Yes. 
It is funny though, like reliving these seasons where you know they're not together anymore. What's the point? Why am I? And Chris and oh my god, Chris is just like, will he finally find the want? We're like, no, 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 we know, Chris. Like this was like two years ago. Calm down. Um, Yeah. Then we get a check in with Nick. We didn't really learn anything super new, but he, you know, did say that like as you pointed out, like Raven, Rachel, and Vanessa are all really like outspoken, intelligent, articulate women with big personalities. And that's like what he's into, mm-hmm. uh, which is true. He's also into a brunette. All of them are brunette. Yeah. He's also into Chris Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> that's what <laughs> I got from this. Yeah. Chat. They yeah, love each other. <laughs> they're buds. They're buds. Clearly. Nick is, Nick is a little bit of a company man. We all know that. Yeah. Um, he does say he's proudly single and which I liked that he was like, look, I'm saying proud because like, it's not an affliction. Yeah. I, it being single doesn't mean a failure. It's just like my life is good and I'm not partnered. Um, and that was kind of it. Chris just gives him that tacky painting and calls it a day. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Chris, that painting commissioned special. I was like, what would one do with that painting? It's very large. How do you hide that? I f- honestly felt bad for Nick. He, maybe he'll put it in his podcast studio or something. Yeah. It will give him motivation to remind himself to lift heavy sticks and, and logs and run through the, the snow. Through the snow, yeah. The snow that happens so frequently in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep working out, you yeah. know. So next week, Juan Pablo. And that is the final episode of uh, Greatest Seasons Ever. Because, you know, we got to lead into Claire's season. We got to be reminded of her calling out Juan Pablo. Spoiler, at the final row ceremony. I, you know what? I'm excited to relive that season. I, I love a season in which the majority of the women hate The Bachelor. It's just, it was a great time. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we will dive into Nick's season with Taylor Nolan. And it's a great conversation. You won't want to miss it. If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't, (laughs) turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe. And it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life. And I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Springtime vibes are in the air, and when you bring in some of the beautiful flowers that are blooming, you probably want to smell the flowers, not the litter box. But thanks to Pretty Litter, you'll be able to smell those spring flowers all you want. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odors. It's ultra-absorbent, it's lightweight, low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses in your cat. And if all of that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to your door. You'll never run out. You won't have huge kitty litter bags taking up space. And even better, you won't have to lug those huge tubs from the store to your car or the subway and into your house. Our producer Talon has been using Pretty Litter and he just raves about how great it is, how easy it is to scoop how much better it smells. I mean, the health monitor aspect gives so much peace of mind. He's a big fan, and we know that you will be too. Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. prettylitter.com slash LTSI. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price, 
was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for 3 weeks and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And now back to the show. So today we are here with BFF of the pod and host of Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan. Taylor Nolan. Thanks for joining us, Tay. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I love being on here. <laughs> no, we're so happy to have you. And ma'am, what a season to recap. It really brought me all the way back to 2017. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fun times, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, so many great memories. Uh, Trump's inauguration, <laughs> mm-hmm. the quick descent of our nation, just like... Yeah. It's just the kind of thing that you're like, I would like to relive that. Yeah, super nostalgic feelings about it. Like a time I love to reminisce on. <laughs> it's great. Absolutely. The greatest time in the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Super fun for you specifically. Uh, we're obviously going to oh, yeah. get real into the nitty gritty of this season. It was fairly recent. It's a season that, you know, Lee and I have a lot of feelings about and that you were at the center of a lot. But just like before we get into the details, like, did you have any initial reactions to the recap of the season if if you watched it uh, when it aired? Um, yeah, so I, I got to watch it a little bit beforehand. And I, of course, only watched my segment and uh, Corinne's segment because I was like, what's she going to say about me? I'm scared. Um, but my initial first, just when they when I found out that they were even doing it, I was like, no, no, can we not? No, <laughs> no. What is this? Uh, but yeah, I mean, watching it back again, definitely felt like there were some key points that they left out. Definitely some things that I would have liked them to have put in definitely some things that I said in my interview that I was like, 
that would have been great to have been shared. But I mean, overall, I felt like it was kind of what I would have expected it to be. Um, There was nothing that I was like super surprised about, honestly, from from watching it. Um, So, yeah, it was just kind of like, yeah, this is this was about what I would have expected. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And uh, the cool thing is that we can just talk about everything that you didn't get to talk about (laughs) in your, I hesitate to even call it an interview, but your interview in quotes with Chris Harrison. The three minute catch up, if that. Yeah, yeah, Uh, I... Yeah, he, I, I definitely made him on. First of all, it's not like I, I like to talk about a lot of things, obviously. Um, and I can just like go off and go on on something. And like, there's so much more to get into. But yeah, Chris just kind of sticks to like, so what's your love life like now? So what was it like watching it back? Like, so He's would like, you okay, like, we're done about- <laughs> now. We're done now. Did yeah. did you tell me that you have a long-term serious monogamous white boyfriend, Taylor? If not, yeah. we need to move on real quick. Yeah. To the uh, next segment. Yeah. 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 So I think before yeah. we talk about your time on the show, um, I, I want to talk about, you know, your decision-making process in going on The Bachelor in the first place. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, like when you were deciding to go on the show, was the historical overwhelming whiteness of it something that you considered or something that came up uh, in your initial conversations with casting? So it wasn't something that came up, you know, the fact that it's mostly white women during casting, but there definitely was emphasis on the fact that I'm biracial and that I'm black and white. Um, And I think even just during the casting process, I, I don't know if it was just questioning myself or maybe it was not seeing myself represented in this space but I was just like there's no way that I'm actually getting on this show like there's no no fucking way that they're actually gonna pick me to be on this and if so like I'll in my head I was like I'm either going home week two or I'm like going all the way (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) I was just kind of like you know I don't see myself reflected here so I don't necessarily have confidence like going into this space um and yeah it it wasn't a huge conversation within casting other than just like what my experience has been like being biracial and feeling kind of like in between of everything and uh, always feeling like I'm not enough to everyone um and that's something I just did a part four series on the podcast with like almost every biracial person from the franchise. And that was like super healing to like have that experience with them on the podcast. But I mean, I'd be curious. We didn't cover that part of like necessarily their time on the show, more just like their experiences being biracial and what they want people to know about that. But I'd be curious what some of them would say about, about that question about what their experience was like in casting. But yeah, it didn't, it didn't focus. I wasn't like, Hey, are you sure you want to cast me? Because you have a mainly white cast. Like, is that why you're casting me, guys? Yeah. Now, <laughs> but I was just kind of like, yeah, meh, I'm biracial and I've struggled with my racial identity and I'm going into this space that's like pretty white and not sure if I'll be accepted. Yeah. Now, did they like, did that conversation come up in the house at all with the other women? I wouldn't say it was something that we talked about in the house now most I mean there were some conversations around politics uh but for the most part it's like 
it's a bubble that you are just sucked into and you're talking about all the things that producers are asking you on a daily basis, on a minute by minute basis of who's going on what date and, you know, what what do you think they're doing on their date? And, well, what do you think about your connection with Nick and, you know, sizing up all the girls? Like it wasn't – there were never any questions around that and I don't recall ever having – conversations around that in the house now. I mean, and your, and your cast was, as far as The Bachelor goes, fairly fairly diverse racially, yeah. um, mm-hmm. which was really notable given how white a lot of the seasons that they've recapped on this recap show have been. I was like, oh, oh, wow. There's like some melanin. I see it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There was definitely a little bit there. Um, definitely more so than past season. And I think that's part of what like did make me feel a little bit different on my season than if I had been going in and it was mostly all white women and then me. Um, Like if I had been like Jamie or Amber on like Chris's season or something, I think I maybe would have felt a little bit differently. But yeah, it it still felt like it was the same old, same old because there was someone there like Corinne who was getting the most spotlight and getting positively reinforced with these behaviors that like we all were saying are quite lacking maturity um if I'm putting it as nicely as possible here um (laughs) so yeah it still almost felt like okay there's diversity here but also None of us really other than Rachel are getting actual storylines that are like actually getting dates that are actually getting attention um, that still just kind of seemed like it was filler because still the the whiteness was being centered. Yeah, no, I think that's such an important point and like really speaks to why uh, diversity is about and representation are about more than just simply like placing people who are non-white into a space like it still Mm -hmm. is a very white space and yeah a white a white centered show um yeah and I asked for equal airtime in my update and I don't know that I did I mean I didn't like go and like look through like minute by minute but it didn't feel like it maybe someone else will comment and let me know after listening to this of like (laughs) what the minutes were but but I remember I was like I do want I was like if she if she's also going to be on this like then yeah I want equal airtime like that doesn't seem fair yeah so because you mentioned Corinne and that was like you know your whole part a lot of it on the season was your you know animosity uh your rivalry quote-unquote with Corinne uh, yeah. Which did you find that it grew over time or was it something that you guys did you clash from the get go? No, I mean, I think there were definitely like passive aggressive comments made very early on to where it was just kind of like uncomfortable. But I mean, even the way that they said it in the update of like it was this rivalry and like I hated her. I was like, I never hated you. Like what? Like, no, first of all. I was literally just trying to help you out and was trying to be nice. And then everyone, you were asking everyone why they didn't like you. Everyone was telling you. I didn't want to like say it in front of the group and make you feel like you were getting attacked because when you did say it in front of the group, everyone was kind of attacking you. And then you shut down and stormed off and felt like, you know, you didn't need this because you were getting hurt. And so then I was like, okay, maybe we'll talk about this. Like if I say anything, I'll say it one-on-one. But then when I did say it one-on-one, again, I think I gave it too much patience and it just 
was a clusterfuck. It was a disaster. It was a conversation. I tried so hard and I'm like, I'm so over reading comments and being told how condescending and how rude I am. Like, I just like, I don't even know how to like defend myself against this anymore because I've tried so hard to like protect her Mm-hmm. And anytime I talk about this and just even the fact that like I'm putting in the emotional energy to protect the person that name called me that brought my profession and my career and credibility into question the person that like apparently still seems to have some kind of way towards me from this interview at least there was just like a lot of energy around that that I found like surprising um like I put so much emotional energy into like protecting that and like being as nicely being being as nice as I can with my words being as thoughtful as I could be with my words that it's like I'm so tired of defending myself against being condescending with this okay sure maybe I said it in a tone that did make it seem like I thought I was better but at the end of the day, the things that I were saying was the same as what everyone else was saying. Danielle in her ITM mm-hmm. was like, is Nick looking for a woman or for a girl? And I was like, oh, Danielle. I was like, oh, shit, that was kind of mean. <laughs> but I was like, I'm not even saying that. Like, I'm literally just saying like, yeah, you know, he said that he's here looking for someone with high, like good emotional intelligence and like. Yeah, I don't think I told him I don't think that you have that. You know, we're all questioning your level of maturity here. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying you're, you're stupid. But like, yeah, if you want to know what I said to him, that's what I said. Yeah, and it's like it's exhausting. It's like, why is her tone not being called into question here? Because her tone was. It was quite aggressive. Yeah, it, her yeah. tone. I mean, at one point she actually we saw a clip where she threatens violence against you. She says she wants to punch yeah. you in the face. Um, and yeah. and I think. You know, this is something I definitely noted and was upset by at the time. But I'm curious now that we've all had some, you know, years to reflect on it and and see it sort of played back in these clips. How do you think that your race and Corinne's race played a role in the way that the audience read you and read her um, in the midst of this on-screen conflict? Because as you said, lots of women were making similar comments to Corinne. Yeah. The show chose to kind of hone in on your conversation with her. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. Let's say you said these things in a condescending tone to her. She name called you. She did lie about what you had said. Yeah. Um, and was also like had a lot of toxic energy going towards you. So even, even if we're saying for the sake of argument that you guys had similar animosity towards each other, which I don't even think is, is necessarily true. But even if that were the case, if all things were equal, it felt like the way that the two of you were responded to and read was vastly, mm-hmm. vastly different. And I'd love to hear, you know, your yeah. feelings on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like in the moment, I experienced it in a very different way. I think looking back, I can see things a lot clearer now. (laughs) Um, And yeah, even the way that they show, you know, Nick saying that she's so lovable and endearing, right? She was able to get these other um, parts of herself shown that – the, that the viewers saw themselves in that were this like innocent, playful side. And 
they really didn't show any of that for me. Granted, it was hard for me to even express that in that environment because there was so much pressure and it was intense. But I'm like, yeah, I've been watching back. They rarely showed me smiling. Like the Backstreet Boys day and the um, the farm date in Wisconsin – I was ecstatic at both of those. I was so happy. Like I was having a freaking ball. Like farms are my jam. And I was so (laughs) happy there. And like they didn't show any of that side of me. Um, And I think that had fans seen more sides of me than just like sitting there being miserable and really uncomfortable because I'm constantly being asked questions about this girl. And I'm like, how do I say these things in like a polite way while also being honest and true and like sharing my actual opinion without getting attacked? And it, I, at the time, I think I didn't want to acknowledge that like race played a part in it. And I think even today, maybe it's just from years of, you know, being gaslit or having to like question my own existence and being valid in that, that like I question today even where I'm like, well, like did it really? Or like, was I really just, you know, being rude and condescending? And it's like, well, that's all those voices coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, But it a hundred percent did. I mean, when I watch it from like as, as objectively as I can, (laughs) like, From my intro, they have me talking about my race and then they have her even like I don't even want to say her like it doesn't even have to be Corinne, right? If they had implanted insert any other white, blonde, rich, privileged woman, um, I think the case would have been the same. And it's again, not to say that like I'm attacking white women, um, but that. I I think that most of the fan base saw themselves in her and regardless if they disagreed with her or not, they didn't find me to be relatable, um, which is valid. But I mean, when you literally have at the time of filming 2016 election, <laughs> mm-hmm. you have them airing, which they didn't air in the recap, but is in the actual season before going on the two on one, you know, she's making it her goal. She's like, I'm I want to make sure Taylor doesn't get the rose I'm gonna send her home and I'm like I just want to focus on my time with Nick <laughs> like this is uncomfortable <laughs> and then in the in her ITM you know she says no votes for Taylor make America Corinne again mm-hmm. if race hadn't played a part up until that point it sure fucking did right then yeah. <laughs> you know that the audience heard that right whether or not she meant it with any kind of intent I don't care that's not what we're talking about like the impact of that for sure reached the fan base for sure yeah and they chose not to show it yeah and they chose not to show it in the recap which I think is super notable but also like this isn't about like well we need to shit on Corinne the point is yeah what is the show airing and how is the audience responding Mm -hmm. to the characters that were put forward and when you have a biracial character who is being tone policed, who is being told she is aggressive and condescending and like that speaking to someone in a condescending tone is worse than threatening violence onto someone or being, you know, having similar levels of disdain for that other person. Like, I think it just shows the way that especially white audiences um, have Mm -hmm. more generosity for white characters oh, have uh, totally. yeah, are more able to, as you said, consider 
the totality of a person. Like, sure, Corinne has these bad qualities, but look at these funny qualities. Whereas you are defined by that one, you know, that one line, that one conversation. And the other stuff is like, make Corinne, that's a joke. It's not about race. It's not about racism. Even though we know Make America Great Again was from day one. Yeah. A racist It It always had racist undertones from moment one. Obviously, the election was alluded to in these little ways during your season. We're now in the midst of another election year, um, and they are, you know, filming two seasons of the show in this election cycle. Um, Do you feel like it's something that will be addressed at all? And do you think that there is a way that they could handle it well, or is it just something that you think like the show will always kind of try to sweep under the rug? I definitely don't think that there's anything that they're going to air related to it. Um, I, I would be, I, yeah, they don't want to separate their audience at all. Um, and I don't think that they want to take that chance to be on the quote unquote right side uh, for many people to lose the one section of people that are so diehard for the show. Um, you know, my show was filmed during 2016 and we weren't really allowed to have any conversations about that. Um, you know, you'd be able to like ask producers for like updates and they'd like share some things here and there, but they don't want you to think about that while you're filming. You know, they want you to just be there for the relationship and for love. And I would love to see them actually allow some conversations on this because I mean, I'm not really one to speak on this here and I don't really know their relationship. I've only spoken to her once on the podcast, but even for Becca and Garrett, you know, like, I don't know, were they able to have conversations during their filming about what their political views were and their values and actually go deep into that? Like maybe if they had, and not to say that's the reason for their breakup, like, I don't really know. I'm just generalizing here, trying to use this as an example. (laughs) But, you know, I think that having those conversations around political stances is incredibly important. Like, I definitely don't go past a second date without having had that a second conversation even before we even get to a first date yeah, I was without say, having some kind of conversation. How are you supposed to get engaged, right? Without knowing what the other person believes in, what their political views are. Did anyone talk to like Nick about it? Did you ever get a chance? And if they did, I'm sure it was cut. So we didn't oh see yeah, no, <laughs> they definitely, they definitely wouldn't air it. I remember like I tried to go into one of my t- times with him and you know, you kind of sometimes do like a little talk with a producer, like before you go into your time with him and like, what do you want to talk to him about? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I want to see where he stands on all of this, you know? And was like, yeah, I want to like know who he's voting for. And like, if he was like watching the debates beforehand, like before we started filming and they were just like, Taylor, you can talk about that, but none of that's going to get aired. Like, don't like talk about something else, uh, you know? And I'm like, I, I get it to a certain extent, but I'm also like, this stuff is so important. And I think that they can air it and show it in a way that isn't necessarily like them taking a stance mm-hmm. or divisive, but that is just like, these are the different kinds of contestants that we have. And sure, have that diversity of people with different political beliefs and views and like, let it play out. 
That'll certainly be entertaining, you know. I would love to watch those conversations. And as you said, just on a practical level, if, you know, if you are actually looking for couples to last, last. <laughs> um, yeah. often these are like really core things that the majority of people care about to some, to some degree. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember you guys were allowed to vote absentee while you were filming. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah, and I'm assuming that will happen with like Matt James because they'll be filming mm -hmm. during the election. Gosh, I can't even think about going back on the show today and thinking about like just where the where the world is at right now and then like going and doing that. <laughs> like what? What's happening? How do you not have these conversations? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's even even more than 4 years ago. I feel like it's impossible to yeah. to avoid even if you're trying. Um Yeah, oh man, this this weird show. <laughs> That's very strange. It's very, very, very strange. Also, last, uh, you know, when you had your interview with Chris Harrison, I think you were the first person in Bachelor history to say the word trans and say non-binary on Bachelor programming, uh, which, first of all, is super sad. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm glad you spoke openly about that spectrum of gender identity and sexual identity and... Uh, was that something you knew you wanted to do going in, uh, knowing that you had this platform where you could speak? Yeah. Well, I knew that they were going to ask about like what my dating is like. And I was kind of like, okay, I can like sugarcoat it and just be like, yeah, you know, it's going really great, Chris. Like <laughs> I'm really happy and like seeing someone and all of that. But then I was also like, well, a lot has been happening in the last two years in my dating life. Like I have explored with Polly. I have explored with um, non-monogamy. I have explored with more of a pansexual sexual orientation. So to me, I was kind of like, do I go into this space and shrink down again how I always did in the past? Do I allow my fear of what people are going to say of what's going to get shown, what's not going to get shown? Do I try to fit myself into this box so I can feel accepted in this bachelor family? Um, or do I like, can I stand my ground and be vulnerable and still like speak my truth? And so I was kind of like, I think being at home had a lot to do with it too. Cause it was like, had I been like in an actual room with Chris, I probably would have been like way more fucking triggered and been like, Oh my God, I don't want to do this. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think just like being a home and being in my space, like I felt more empowered too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was so nervous. Like when I said vibrators, even I was like, oh shit, can I? Oh even my god, say I, that? I, I was I like, just gonna that. bring it up. It was so great. <laughs> oh, so good. I was I was laughing so hard. I think I texted you right after I saw it. I was like, this is yeah. I'm dead. Like, and and it was so delightful. You were like cracking up, and Chris got all. It was like, like actually a very. Um, <laughs> very cute moment. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. I was like, I know I'm making you uncomfortable, Chris. I'm sorry. He's like, oh no, like I don't get uncomfortable. I'm, I'm totally comfortable too. I was like, okay. Yeah. Chris um, is like fully like women do not masturbate, nor do they poop. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and please don't let my son know that he's right here filming me. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I definitely was like, I didn't know if I was allowed to say that afterwards. I was like, oops. Well, I'm like, if I'm just having a conversation with just like any other person, that's exactly how I would have responded. So I was like, just stay true to yourself. They can edit out whatever they want to edit out. And in my head, I was like, 
they're going to edit all this shit out anyway. Uh, but I was happy to see that they left some of it in. Um, I've only gotten like a little bit of hate from it. So I'm like, okay, that's okay. <laughs> Whoever hates on that, it's just like, oh, cool. But yeah, it was yeah. so it was so refreshing to just see you kind of riff and and be, you know, just real and bold and <laughs> raw. genuine. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Yeah, I tried to be as genuine as I could in this journey of yeah. the goat update. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think like I I was definitely nervous, like just knowing again, trying to be like, okay, how do I be vulnerable and still just be authentic how I would in any other conversation, but also know that like I'm saying this shit to Chris Harrison and like that this is on The Bachelor. Right. And of like, I definitely don't fit in this box in this space anymore. And I was so nervous. Like I messed up my wording in one part because I was trying to be like, yeah, I've been exploring like what it means to like not be in this fairy tale, like heteronormative, uh, monogamous kind of setup in a relationship. And I think I said non monogamous instead, but I was like, don't beat yourself up, girl. Like you were nervous. And I, I knew what I you meant. Yeah. I, I caught I was, that, but I knew I was like, she yeah. just meant monogamous and said non monogamous. Like, yes. whatever. It's yeah. If anyone, I was just so nervous. Yeah. Have you received um, any messages from people who like felt seen or were? excited yeah. to have yeah. you say that yeah definitely um definitely some people that are just like I felt in a weird way like represented and like you helped make me feel just like what I was experiencing wasn't bad and that it was in a way normal just to hear someone else say this and I think I had heard some people too they were like you know to say this on like ABC like the family network to like include just the word trans and non-binary um was like very impactful for some people and so I mean that's great that it feels like really impactful but I also hope we can just get to a point where it's just like it's not a big deal because it's just the norm. Right. It's like, of course, trans people are hot. Of course, non-binary yeah. people are hot. Of course, people of yeah. all races are hot. Like, but, yeah. but at, we are at the point where like, that still does need to be said and it needs to mm-hmm. be stated emphatically. And I think it is, you know, important to have people in these very um, white cisgender spaces mm-hmm. speak to that. And I was really glad to see you do it. I mean, I would really love to see them be more open to casting people who mm-hmm. fall yeah. outside of the, you know, binary gender mm-hmm. system or sexual sexual identity um, binary, yeah. um, or or at least when they do cast people like a Demi mm-hmm. or like a Jamie, they perhaps yeah. have the ability to treat uh, that pan- pansexuality or bisexuality mm-hmm. with a little bit more uh yeah. tact a little yeah, bit respect. more education <laughs> yeah. respect yeah Depth, all those words some more <laughs> yeah yeah and I think you know they definitely have had opportunities like in the past to handle that and I think it wasn't a focus for them I don't think that they saw the weight behind it I don't think maybe they saw the numbers behind it again I think it was viewed as like a political divisive thing unfortunately um you know I think they've They've they have opportunities with with Demi and with Jamie. And I think I mean, even on my season of Paradise, they had opportunities with me. Um, but I was definitely pushed into this like Derek and Taylor are together. Derek and Taylor are together. And I was like, hold up. Like if someone wants to take me out on a date, like they can take me out on a date. Like, let me speak for myself, please. Um, 
but it was just the whole thing. But uh, even when they did like spin the bottle, they didn't air that. They like teased it in the commercial and like we were all getting so excited to play it. And then I think like we ended up doing like the next day and like I was taking a nap and I was so pissed that no one woke me up for fucking spin the bottle. I was like, <laughs> no one woke me up for this. I was like, are you serious? I missed this. Like I was so excited to play it. I was really disappointed. Um, But I think that the way that the show like takes steps quote unquote forward is just very different than what we would like it to look like. And I, I guess maybe I'm just a bit pessimistic that they will ever step up to do things in the way that we are saying we would like them to do. And so it feels like this really weird middle ground of like, okay, you took a small step forward and, you know, you casted um, a bisexual white blonde woman who is still in alignment with your main viewership. We're not going to get super deep into it. Um, It's going to be something that people who disagree with it can still find really hot, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're going to fucking sexualize that. Um, But, and it's like, is that really the way that we would maybe want to see them do it? Not necessarily, but also it is a small step. And yeah, so but they like, can just give themselves a pat on the back and be like, look, we did it. We did it. That's how it well, felt I with Demi and Christian, at least. Yeah, and I mean, that's also kind of how it feels with, with Matt as well. Yeah. That Matt is this, like, bouquet of flowers that we're bringing in after we just, like, beat up our partner. And it's just like, here you go. Like, see how great this is? See how great mm-hmm. I am? Um, but I do think that, like, the more that we support and that we give the show positive reinforcement when they do show these things, the more that they'll be likely to share them and to make storylines about them, you know? The more support that people like Jamie get going on the show, the more support that, I mean, Demi already has a fucking ton of support, but, um, you know, Matt getting a ton of support, like this will just encourage them because again, they go off of ratings and they go off of what is press worthy. So like if the fans pay attention and like want to hear from castmates who are by POC people, then guess what? They're going to want to share those storylines more because they're seeing that that's what the fans are being drawn towards. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's why, you know, when Rachel was on the podcast, she made it really clear, like, do not abandon the franchise before Matt's season because we yeah. need to, like those of us who care about, you know, pushing this franchise forward need to show up and give mm-hmm. them the numbers. Um, and And I think that, you know, was a compelling reason for me because I was having a moment of like, sh- do mm-hmm. we need to, you know, stop yeah. watching? And I think at least through Matt's season, um, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're committed for that reason. Um, you yeah. know, something that was notable last night was that Rachel did not appear mm-hmm. for yeah. a catch-up. Um, and they, they did have Tasha and Natasha, who I thought were both, you know, fantastic on to sort of speak about her um, impact on the franchise, mm-hmm. which... I thought was interesting. Um, (laughs) No, I thought they were great. It just, it's, it's like the show does this odd thing where they don't take responsibility at all for like, why Why Rachel's not there in the first place. Right. Right. And that's sort of where they just skimmed over Rachel just appeared and she mattered like, and it's like, okay, you chose to wait till several years ago to cast Rachel. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that whole segment. 
I mean, the girls are great. It's nothing towards the girls. Um, I think, yeah, it feels a little icky. Feels a little icky because it's like we're gonna pat ourselves on the back that Rachel was that that we gave you Rachel, right? While also not acknowledging or creating any conversation around why she isn't there in the first place. Right. And I think that's disappointing. It's not surprising. Um, I contemplated. I was like, what if I just don't do an update? If I don't do an update, then, then what? Do I really need to do an update? Like, if I didn't do an update and Rachel wasn't doing an update... There literally would have been, up until that point, no cast members who were by POC doing an update, period. And I was like, do I hold more power if I say no to this? Do I hold more power if I say, I'll come on, but I don't want her to get an update? Uh, Do I hold more power if I go on and am and providing representation. Yeah. And like I weighed those things a lot in this conversation like I had with Rachel too. And I mean, we came to different decisions on that. I, I support her and hers and she supports me and mine. Um, but yeah, it <laughs> it felt a little icky for me that that they had them come on and do that knowing knowing why Rachel wasn't on. And it's like they do have I think the capacity to actually have these deeper conversations because it's like you had Rachel come on and talk about bullying on Women Tell All, right? Like you allowed some space for that. Like, I don't know if it's Chris. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they just feel like it's too risky. I don't know what it is. But it's like y'all have the capacity to have these deeper conversations. So please just facilitate more of them because they can be so impactful. And like you have fantastic castmates. You have a fantastic cast with people who are so capable of going down that route. But instead you give the praise and you give the spotlight and you give the attention to the people who don't. Yeah. And it's like, why? Like, why are it not that that it has its own kind of value, right? It's not that it's not valuable. It has its own value. These people are still worthy, right? But like, man, they just like, you could be making so much more change. Right. And there's the ability to do all of those things at the same time. Like we can walk and chew gum, you know? Um, And I think even, you know, Natasha said like, Black culture is American culture. And I thought mm-hmm. that was such an important line. It's like, okay, let's let's go more into that. Let's go yeah. more into yeah. why there are white people who like want to take on elements of Tan black themselves. culture, but not <laughs> yeah. But Tan not, themselves very, very dark. Yes. And you're like, what is happening? Right. Like there is like there's just so many conversations that are alluded yeah. to, so many issues that like they might want to avoid quote unquote but you're not avoiding it you're avoiding giving it any context because like as and that's look that's why we have this podcast that's why we've been talking Mm -hmm. about issues of race and you know sexism and misogyny and the way that the show represents those things it's not because they've skirted the issues yeah they're present right they're very they're very present we're just you know i think 
a lot of people have um, more easily accessible language to kind of speak to that clearly and more platforms mm -hmm. to do so than when the show first started and the media gatekeepers, you know, were much more, much, much more limited. Um, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Well, but even so Emma so. and I were saying last night, how, you know, Olivia Caridi had this whole segment where she was, yeah. you know, given an apology for being yep. bullied and treated that way. And then you came on and I was waiting sort of for an apology as well. Were you waiting for a little bit of acknowledgement on how they sort of portrayed you versus Corinne? You know, I think the 23-year-old in me from being on the show who was like so low and so depressed and just distraught and completely traumatized from this experience was like, is this going to be it? <laughs> Am I going to be seen? Oh, my God. They did that with Olivia? <gasps> Are they going to realize that, like, mine's very similar? <gasps> <laughs> that part of me was definitely there. Um, but I knew just from talking to them that that was not at all going to be the case. I knew from talking to Nick before it aired that no fucking way was that happening. Ben is a very different kind of bachelor than what Nick was. So I knew I was not getting that from my lead. Never. <laughs> Dear Lord. Um, and... I did ask, you know, are you going to allow her to like name call me to bring in my career to do all this stuff again? Like, are you going to allow that? Are you going to try to have her take any kind of accountability? And, you know, it was just kind of like we haven't been shown anything from her from since the show happened to make us think that it would be any different today, you know? I was like mind blown that they still had her on after the Sasha Baron Cohen thing. That I was just like, how? <laughs> how are we getting <laughs> like what? Yeah, just, um, I had almost forgotten about that, and I was like, oh my god, that feels like eight thousand years ago. Years but it ago. was only a couple of years ago. I mean, yeah. Oh god. I so I was yeah. I, I was like, there's no way that this is gonna be like a you know really sorry that like I bulldozed and gaslit you for two hours in Wisconsin and so sorry I like name called you and you know made it my mission to get you sent home and all of this like I knew that none of that was gonna happen and I think from my perspective I talked about this in the update that at Women Tell All I did apologize yeah <laughs> and you did. even doing that I was like this is fucking absurd mm -hmm. um and you didn't get an apology then zero zero like literally everyone cheered for it and it chris was pushing for it and was like oh come on and she was just like yeah zero no. growth i've seen zero growth from her <laughs> it's it's very disappointing i mean speaking of of nick he just released this whole series of you know <laughs> interviewing um all of the women from your season how was your conversation with him like what did you guys get into was it like interesting to reconnect with him at all or interesting yes um you know I had seen Nick after after our show filmed you know because I'm like very close to Vanessa um stayed with them and they're like he would barely say two words to me um 
and I get it. Like, it's not like you have to like be friendly with me, but yeah, we definitely see very differently on things and, you know, the kind of empathy and thoughtfulness and consideration that like Ben had for his cat, like contestants, um, Nick definitely lacked. And I mean, I appreciate his honesty, right? He was very honest with me and was just like, I had asked him, you know, okay, well, if you're looking back on all of this, you know, then can you give me an explanation as to why you sent me home? And I was expecting like, you know, oh, I didn't really see things with you or like, I just didn't like feel a vibe there or of like, you know, I really believed Corinne and I, you know, really felt strongly stronger for Corinne than I did for you. I was expecting something along those lines. And he was just like, well, it didn't matter. I didn't care. I knew I just wanted to be with Vanessa. So I didn't care. It didn't matter to me that I was sending you home where I'm just like, okay, I'm a pawn. That's great. That's really fucking great. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. And and honestly, even watching that back, it's like, it, it felt very much like, well, Corinne, was going to last for the time Corinne was going to last for, um, mm-hmm. for the she show. She was a character. Like she, for yeah. the, like on the production side. And if Nick was someone who was like, I know who I want and my priority is to protect that relationship. Then like, then Corinne gets taken to the point that we can see the nanny, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. that's really what it, that's how I read it. Certainly that like she was going to go a certain way and so anyone who ended up on a two-on-one with her that early was going to become collateral damage um well and and he did tell me that jasmine was actually supposed to be on the two-on-one instead of me but then when we had our conversation in wisconsin they decided it was going to be me and the fact that they were going to have jasmine on there like yes she she had almost been more upset towards Corinne than I was. I mean, on the group day and learning about the nanny, she was just like, what in the world? Like, she was so she was more over it than I was. Like, she was like, why is this fucking girl still here? Um, and to me, I like in a way, I'm almost thankful that it was me on there instead of Jasmine, because I feel like the the black and the white and the crazy black, like it just I feel like that would have been so bad. It's um, also really they re- telling that the t- only two women under consideration for that date are women yeah. of color. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, actually. I didn't even <laughs> think of that because yeah, like Sarah was like going in on her too. Right. And as you said, she Danielle home. Malby, like watching yeah. it back, I was reminded that like, oh yeah, it wasn't just that Taylor was in conflict no. with Corinne. Like no, lots of people was. were in conflict. In, in conflict. Like so many more of the clips even of what was aired was all other people talking about her until uh, my conversation with her in Wisconsin. And that's where I was like, everyone's already said this stuff. And like, yeah, I agree. Like, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. You just so, yeah, you said it, the line that sort of like captured. Like, I used. Yeah. I use the word intelligence instead of maturity. Yeah. You literally see something like click in her. Like when you rewatch that clip, like her eyes, like everything literally shifts as soon as I said the word intelligence. And it's like watching it back now, I'm like, I triggered something there. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
you know, I apologized in that conversation. I was crying in that conversation, apologizing to her because I felt so bad that she really thought I was calling her stupid. And then I was trying to be like, no, 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 no. Like rewind, rewind, rewind. Like, I'm not saying that. Like, I don't think that of you. Like, you know, I was providing emotional care even in that conversation. Uh, and also you exhausting. wanted to be clear about what you were saying. Yeah. Like you, you yeah, didn't and also, say I'm sober. she was stupid. She, you didn't say yeah. she was stupid. That's no. not what you said. I didn't. And, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I acknowledged it in that conversation, but I'm like, I've said this still today. I'm like, no, she's way smarter than me in some areas. Like, I'm not saying I'm like a genius, first of all. Like, I'm definitely not. Uh, there's so much I don't know. And there's a lot of things I'm like really actually stupid about. Um, but like, I, she's clearly way smarter than me in some areas. And that's not at all what I meant. Um, but it's just like, uh, again, it's like what was chosen was, to highlight and what yeah. was the impact of, of those optics. Yeah. And that's like what I'm really interested in. Um, and I know that you're yeah. you know, not interested in like rehashing things with one particular person. Like it's not about that. I yeah. want to be clear. It's um, like, it's like yeah. the generalization of the dynamics that occurred right. that like exactly. really get to me that I'm like, wow, like this happened. And then this happened. Like, it's not anything personal to her. It's like, I love analyzing these kinds of situations and it's like, fuck, I was a part of one now. And so it's like reflecting on how I handled it. And, you know, this was an area where I did really try to protect her and not be like, well, she was wasted. But like, yeah, she was also, I was trying to have a conversation with someone who was wasted. I was trying to wrap up the conversation and I gave it way too much patience. And I'm like, yeah, I should have literally just fucking walked away. But like in that environment, I'm so scared. I'm like, am I allowed to walk away? I'm like, can I, like, is someone going to tell me I have to sit back down and finish this conversation? Like, oh, right. Yeah. And it's hard to know that you're always protecting someone, but you know, you won't get that protection in return. And that's yeah. just kind of what hurts the most, especially watching it back. I was taking yeah. that out. We do also want to talk about some more fun stuff Happy before stuff. we let you go. <laughs> um, like mm -hmm. I, you know, we know that you have maintained some really close relationships with some of the women from your season um I know like you and Vanessa are have maintained a really beautiful beautiful friendship yeah. who else are you still close with also like Vanessa's engaged right which I guess yeah happened after uh they yes. filmed that catch yeah, up with catch her up. <laughs> yeah um but yeah. yeah let's talk about like the fun friendships yeah. Well, Vanessa and I are super close. Um, definitely like consider her like a sister. Love her to death. Um, Jasmine and I have definitely gotten closer since the show. Um, Rachel and I were not very close on our season. Um, and we've definitely gotten closer over the last several months, I would say. Um, that's so nice. Olivia, Olivia and I are, are still on good terms. Um, she's starting her master's, which I think is super exciting. And I'm like, you go, girl. Oh, I know. Um, I, I Don't you sort of feel like Olivia is just like part of your season, even though she wasn't on your season? <laughs> in some ways, yes. yes. You like make more sense, <laughs> makes more sense socially in, in your season. Yes, um, yeah, Olivia's back in New York. I'm, you know, if yeah. I could, I'm ex I told her like when we yeah. are allowed to be around uh, humans Other human again. Beings. I look yes. forward to seeing her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and Charlene's also in New York, and Charlene and I have definitely gotten way closer. I mean, during my season, she was like an angel. She was like a godsend to me. Like her Bachelor recap blog, I was like, 
oh my God, I feel seen. I was like, wait, someone is like understanding this. Like, I remember I literally would be in my bed, like bawling my eyes out. And then I would be like, I just didn't like read Charlene's blog. And I would read it and I was just like, thank you so much. Maybe I'm not completely crazy. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yes, that's literally what it felt like. Um, But she's absolutely like just an amazing human. And I think her episode airs next week. So um, I'll definitely be supporting her through that. Um, I'm like blanking on other people from my season that I, but those are the people from bachelor that I like would say I talked to on a regular, if not semi-regular basis. It's so nice though, that you find like a family within bachelor nation people that you connect with because of your shared experiences on and also seasons. because of your values trauma yeah oh shared trauma oh. Yeah. <laughs> i'm like uh, a shared trauma yeah that that's fair over. that's yeah. fair yeah. <laughs> but yes your values something you should talk about yeah. again yes yeah spivey <laughs> ashley spivey love her oh, so so angel. so much she's amazing yeah she's fantastic oh good yeah it, it is a weird family it's very strange. Yeah, very incestuous, very <laughs> traumatized. <It's- laughs> yes, yes. I'm like, even today, I'm like, I can't even imagine actually dating someone from the show or even like hooking up with, I mean, never something I did to begin with, but like, I can't imagine just like being romantic with anyone in this show anymore. I'm like, yeah, I- you're like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm like, how? Like, oh God, it's so messy. So messy. Yeah, yeah. Fr- friendship seems uh, seems a little simple. Like, don't even wade back in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, even that is, like, dangerous territory sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, can you trust people? Are they just using you? What's happening? Um, but, yeah, the friendships are definitely safer than trying to, like, romantically date anyone in this franchise. Yeah, no more paradise, no, no stagecoach. Just stay away from all those situations. And you know what? Everything, I do think that the universe has its way of like putting you exactly where you're supposed to be because I was supposed to be at stagecoach this year, which like I'm not necessarily a huge fan of country music, but I was like, it was, there was like a partnership deal. And I was like, you know what? I'll lean into it. Like I'll, I'll try me out some country music. (laughs) Um, so I was supposed to be there. And then like, there was talks of paradise and I'm like, I can't imagine if the world had just continued on how it was supposed to quote unquote. Oh man. And I had gone to stagecoach and say I had gone on paradise. Like just my life would have been so different. And I'm like, I'm pretty pleased that my life is where it is right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you seem Minus- like you're doing really well. Your podcast is so good. Yeah. Everyone should go listen to it. I mean, mm-hmm. just we are grateful you. for you. I know that a lot of, um, you know, a lot of Bachelor fans who want better for this franchise are very, very grateful to have someone like you as, you know, a vocal, vocal part of it. Um, and yeah. Thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I love chatting with y'all. Uh, we we love it so much. We love you. <laughs> and that's it for Here to Make Friends. Uh, thanks so much to our guests, Taylor Nolan, and of course our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Lee Blickley and at Lee BZ. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back soon to recap the finale of The Bachelor, the greatest seasons ever. 
And of course, it's Juan Pablo season, so you won't want to miss our discussion. <laughs>